Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. It's time once again for FOMO Friday. Yes, we love here on the podcast to just do away with your fear of missing out entirely, particularly if you're not listening to propaganda media, by bringing you stories that you may or may not have heard about, but probably need to, right? And for our first story today, there may be a tipping point to how much some of these blue big city residents can actually take. (laughs) Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot lost her re-election campaign, rendering her the first chief executive of the Windy City in four decades to lose re-election. Former public uh, school CEO, um, the uh, Paul Vallis of, of Chicago and and Cook County Commissioner Brandon Johnson will advance to a runoff election after each garnered more votes than the incumbents. Now, Lightfoot, who who frequently touts her race and her self-identification as a lesbian, justified her loss to a reporter by noting that she is a black woman in America. <laughs> yeah, that's why she lost. But, but residents have a multitude of valid reasons to dismiss Lightfoot, of course. A crime rose dramatically during Lightfoot's four-year tenure in city Chicago City Hall. Uh, there were 490 homicides in the Windy City as of 2019. And that's a lot, right? 490 in, in one year. Well, that, that, was, that, that was the year, 2019, in which Lightfoot assumed office. And then murders rose to get this, 772 the next year, 2020, and 800 the following year in 2021, marking an increase of more than 58% as Black Lives Matter protests rocked the nation in the wake of the death of, uh, of, of George Floyd. Now, Lightfoot, who has a, a personal police unit, now get this, the, she has a personal police unit with 71 officers assigned to protect her life. Mean, meanwhile, she proposed eliminating $80 million from the Chicago Police Department budget in 2020 as the defund the police movement gained momentum among the the prominent Democrats. Now, she accordingly uh, lost the respect of of law enforcement with that. Uh, Police officers uh, turned their backs, actually, on Lightfoot as she um, addressed reporters while one of her, her, um, you know, their, their wounded colleagues was fighting for his life. Quote, turning their backs on the mayor was an excellent example of how the hundreds of police officers felt waiting outside the hospital. This is this was actually from a quote from Chicago Fraternal Order of Police Department President John Katsurana. Now, he said in an interview with the Chicago Sun-Times that they had they have had enough and are no longer going to remain silent anymore. So Lightfoot has nevertheless uh, boasted about the real progress that she purportedly made on crime uh, due to the marginal decreases in murders and shootings between 2021 and 2022. 
So, which, which of course, still far exceeds the level of criminality witnessed before she assumed office. So, so you know, during her term, wow, there was a year there where it actually kind of went down a little bit, even though it went way up before that. Quote, we have come a long way in making our city safer, <laughs> but Mayor Lightfoot knows the work is not yet finished. That, that's actually a quote uh, on her campaign website, which, uh, which said that she uh, would hire hundreds more police officers if reelected. Yeah, that's after she fired a bunch of them. These invest investments represent her commitment to, to taking the necessary steps in this crucial work and making sure Chicagoans, I guess that's how you pronounce that, Chicagoans, uh, in every neighborhood are safe and feel safe. Crime rates are, are one of the several factors behind a mass exodus uh, of businesses from that area. Ken Griffin, a, a former uh, richest man in Illinois and current chief executive uh, of uh, hedge fund uh, Citadel, uh, moved which with much of his personal estate and business to Miami in response to the phenomenon. The billionaire, uh, multi, actually a multi-billionaire and uh, Republican megadonor, uh, indicated during one interview that a breaking point was uh, for him the violent assault of two separate colleagues. The former was was robbed after a person put a gun to his head during a, a, a coffee run, and another was attacked by some random lunatic just trying to punch him in the head while he was waiting for a car. Now, behind beyond the, the city's lackluster record on public safety, Chicago also has the second highest tax burden in the nation for combined state and local sales uh, tax rates. According to a study from the Tax Foundation, uh, th this this is uh, a place that you're just going to be taxed to death. Lightfoot had uh, proposed a property tax hike <laughs> even among this, uh, but reversed that policy ahead of the re-election campaign because it didn't look very good. And according to a report from the Illinois Policy Institute, uh, that just wasn't going to go over. So the, the, the pressures have led other prominent businesses uh, to leave Chicago, uh, like, like food processing uh, company Tyson, actually. Uh, how about airplane manufacturer Boeing? They, they removed a lot of, uh, uh, of their uh, business uh, from Chicago. And, uh, and, and really, they had well, uh, a kind of a small headquarters there, and they went ahead and, and uh, removed that and moved it. Uh, the um, uh, construction and machinery firm Caterpillar uh, have all announced that they would shutter offices or move their headquarters from the city. Now, Lightfoot still proclaimed on her campaign website that she is committed to a, uh, attracting new business. <laughs> yeah, because it's leaving out the back door is fa faster than it come in the front door. And creating an environment that supports and sustains entrepreneurs and workers who make Chicago their home. Okay. Well, the Department of Business occurs, uh, occurs alongside a... Um, a, a, a just a myriad of residents um, from Chicago. They they're just they're leaving in droves, uh, and a lot of our cities are seeing this. Uh, Portland, uh, where this podcast uh, is is uh, near, um, originates near. Uh, they lost twelve thousand uh, people just last year alone from the city. Uh, the the region here in Chicago lost more than ninety one thousand people between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one alone. 
Uh, and this is according to the Chicago, Chicago Tribune, um, which, of course, follows a lot of major cities like what we, we, we're just talking about. Lightfoot informed unvaccinated residents as late as December of 2021 that their time is up and said that her public health mandates were inconvenient by design. She She's really been a piece of work. It's, it's almost going to be sad to see her go because she's almost entertaining in a way. Despite the failures under her administration, Lightfoot endorsed a plan at the end of last year that would grant her a 5% pay raise, <laughs> marking the first wage hike for her position in nearly two decades. Lightfoot, however, will now have to find a new position altogether. <laughs> and if you remember, Lightfoot tried to to uh, get students to get out of school and help her campaign. Now we know why, because she knew she wasn't doing too well. But of course, when she was told that that was illegal to do so, well, she said that she was just trying to help them learn civics. <laughs> so, so what she is saying uh, was that, that the reason for her loss was kind of interesting. Listen to this. While Lightfoot conceded to Politico's Jonathan Martin uh, that she had certainly made some mistakes during her time as mayor, she claimed that the real issue was the fact that the people were quicker to pass judgment on a black woman. Here's the quote. Of course, you can't have lived through what we lived through and say, I did everything perfect. We made mistakes, she said. Uh, pivoting uh, to bring former Mayor Rahm Emanuel's Time Magazine spread into the conversation. She said, I remember Rahm Emanuel uh, appearing on the cover of Time Magazine. The headline was basically like, tough guy for Chicago. No woman or woman of color is ever going to get that headline, she complained. So, yeah, anyway, Lightfoot, the city's first black female lesbian mayor, made a, a similar complaint during another interview with The New Yorker when she said, I'm a black woman, and let's not forget, some folks frankly don't support us in leadership roles. So, so basically what she's saying here is that she lost because of racism, sexism, and Time Magazine. <laughs> so anyway, it's just, yeah, she'll be missed. And speaking of corrupt cities, the non-citizens who have resided in Washington, D.C. for the last 30 days can now vote in legal city elections after the review period for a newly passed bill allowing such votes to occur ended late uh, last week. And uh, this, according to local media, the D.C. city officials passed the local resident voting rights amendment act on its first reading last year, which Democratic Mayor uh, Morrell Bowser allowed to pass without her signature um, as she refused to veto the legislation. Now, however, acts of the city council are subject to congressional review due to the fact that the district is residing in a federal territory. It's not its own state. So it actually has to, things have to be reviewed by Congress. Now, lawmakers on Capitol Hill had 30 session days to uh, object to the legislation, which the House voting uh, to stop the bill from taking effect. Um, and however, the Senate ran out of time before the, the view period ended. So, 
So the House said, nope, we're going to stop it. But the, the Senate said, nope, we're, we're just going to let it go. Uh, the new law still has no secure, um, uh, has, has, has to secure approximately $1.6 million in funding to create the new voter registry for non-residents. So not only are they going to let them vote, I mean, they've got to actually come up with a new registry for these non-citizens and they, uh, they need to come up with $1.6 million to do that. Um, Washington, D.C. City Council member Charles Allen introduced the bill in October of 2020, arguing that it is uh, that it aligns with the chamber's values and and history of expanding voter rights. Yeah, yeah, sure. Sure, it does. Our immigrant neighbors of all statutes participate, contribute and care about our community in our city, he says. Yeah, and they also vote Democrat, too. During the passing last year, the bill's lead sponsor, council member um, Briani Nadu, <laughs> bragged how she championed expanding voters' rights so that those who have made the district their home have the right for their votes to be heard in our local issues, no matter their migration status. Now, see, th- th- this is just ridiculous. To and and particularly the move now with this, there's a movement now. Uh, by the Biden administration officials to make Washington, D.C. the 51st state in the union. And yet they're also allowing illegal immigrants to vote. Okay, that doesn't jive. Um, and of course, House Republicans uh, passed a resolution to block the law from taking effect uh, with, this, uh, with the support of, of actually 42 Democrats alongside them so it's this is this is definitely something to keep an eye on um now one of the people that have spoken out is representative alexandria ocasio-cortez of course who who by the way is, is under investigation herself for receiving illegal gifts when she wore that tax the rich dress a while back yeah anyway she accused she's accusing her gop colleagues of expanding their support for disenfranchisement yeah that's what they're doing in the overwhelmingly black city pointing out how republicans already oppose dc statehood (laughs) yeah the dc city council has the right to determine its policies for dc residents she said and if any member of this body does not like it now uh, they can feel free to change their registration, resign their post, and run for DC City Council. <laughs> well, Ted Ted uh, Cruz he he had a few things to say on the issue. Uh, in January, uh, he uh, Senator Ted Cruz, who's of course a Republican from Texas, introduced a bill to stop non-citizens from voting in local elections in Washington D.C., saying that allowing non-citizens and illegal immigrants to uh, exercise voting rights uh, reserved for American citizens violates the nation's constitutional principles, quote, but also and naively invites foreign meddling into our elections. Quote, voting is a privilege and the tool by which American citizens exercise the, their say in who leads our country, how we spend our tax dollars and what policies should be introduced. This is what Cruz said. He says, I am vehemently against unconstitutionally cheapening the votes of American citizens and ignoring the rule of law in this nation. Um, fellow GOP Senator Tom Cotton, who is the Republican for Arkansas, also introduced a, um, a resolution in Congress 
in December to block the non-citizen voting law from taking effect, calling it an insane policy. And I would agree with that. And, you know, we're, we are quickly getting to the time of year where candy companies sell more candy than any other time in the, uh, of the year. But here is a, here's some trouble that's, that's brewing for one company that decided to virtual signal their wokeness. Hershey, the Hershey company is celebrating women by promoting a biological man. (laughs) The hashtag boycott Hershey's is trending on Twitter as of Thursday. Anyway, after the chocolate manufacturer included a man who identifies as transgender as part of its International Women's Day promotion. Faye Johnstone is one of the five people featured in the campaign, which uses the Hershey's She, S-H-E, bar to shine a light on the women uh, and, and girls who inspire us every day, as they put it. Now, the, chocolate, uh, the chocolate's out of the wrapper. Honored to be featured in this campaign by Hershey's Canada for hashtag International Women's Day alongside four brilliant sisters and change makers. This is what Johnstone posted alongside a video uh, promotion on Twitter. Quote, we still have a long way to go in the fight to end misogyny and patriarchy and gender-based violence. The LGB activists actually shared a follow-up to this by saying that I hope this campaign helps give more young women and girls girl role models and possibly models and show them how we can change the world together. We can create a world where everyone is able to live in public space as their honest and authentic selves. This is what Johnstone said in the clip. That that in itself, I mean, just, I mean, can can you can you hear how they love to twist things here? We can create a world where everyone is able to live in a public space as their honest and authentic selves. Hmm. Honest and authentic selves. Well, wish we had time for that. Uh, we we well, let's move on. Uh, calls for the for the boycotts came from conservatives and feminists who objected to a biological man being used for the International Women's Day campaign. "Quote: You get the feeling that these companies always despise women. They were just waiting for the right moment to stick it to us." This is uh, actually what was said by uh, author Abigail Schreier, who tweeted. Here's the thing about real women, Hershey's. We have long memories. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Quote, there are 3.9 billion females out there, and Hershey's decided to pick a misogynist dude for International Women's Day. This is what another person shared. This is the third year the International Chocolate Company uh, has run the same female-focused campaign. And in a press release, Hershey shared this, um, trying to detail more about what they're doing. It says, quote, we are excited to reintroduce the Hershey's She Bars in, in new, meaningful ways as part of the Hershey's longer commitment, or I'm sorry, larger commitment to support women and girls this Women's History Month and every month. This is what the brand manager, Katie DiCapria, uh, said of the program's relaunch. Quote, this bar with 200 plus 
thoughtful adjectives created with a with our partners girls on the run reminds us to take a moment to honor the women and girls who inspire us every day we hope to spark meaningful heartwarming connections through the simple gesture of giving a she bar to somebody who has played an important role in your life now <laughs> and, and and really and speaking of companies going woke in our last fomo friday report uh, last Friday, we talked about the publisher of uh, Ronald Dahl's uh, books uh, rewriting and, and how they're rewriting many parts of his famous books in order to make them more woke. And now we know who led the woke editing and you will never guess how they identify. <laughs> the woman who reportedly led the mission to rewrite the books of famed author Ronald Dahl uh, in, in, order to, uh, in order not to offend readers uh, has described herself as a, get this, non-binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist who is on the autism spectrum. <laughs> yeah, let me repeat that one more time for you. <laughs> she is the non-binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist on the autism spectrum. <laughs> Sounds like she's really checking all the boxes to me, right? <laughs> the, the massive uh, woke re-editing of Doll's books has largely uh, perpetuated uh, by the, the English group called uh, inclusive Minds, that's who's helping them do this. Now, Joe Ross Barrett, a former project manager at Inclusive Minds, who headed the project, wrote on LinkedIn in 2022 that she was working on a um, a secretive project involving uh, delivering a large-scale comprehensive review of inclusion issues and potential solutions for copyright holders and publishers of one of the most famous classic children's books collections in the world. Now, she this is what National Review reported, and, and she you know, didn't disclose which one it was, but of course, now we know. And a profile on Barrett uh, of Barrett on the Inclusive Minds uh, site uh, describes her as they, them, and a writer and educator with a passion for championing inclus inclusive content and policies. Joe is an autistic, binary, asexual, polyamorous relationship anarchist, and they work with the inclusive minds to help authors and publishers make their books more authentically representative of marginalized groups and have provided workshops and talks at a place at a Table 2020, and the UK Asexuality Conference of 2019. This is all reported by the Daily Mail. Now, Inclusive Minds used sensitivity readers and inclusive ambassadors to edit their children's stories. The ambassadors could be as young as eight years old. And some ambassadors included a trans-identifying poet and queer trans-identifying as an intersex person. I, you know... The Telegraph illuminated some of the changes made by Doll's books, and the report caused author Salman Rusky uh, himself, of course, the subject of, of an Iranian death warrant uh, for his work, to, to tweet this. Ronald Dahl was no angel, but this is absurd censorship. Puffin books and, and Dahl, the Dahl estate should be ashamed. Uh, now, this is, this is something new since our last uh, update. Uh, Puffin, the publisher of Doll's books, said they will release two versions 
of each book now. Uh, Francesca Dow, who is the managing director of Penguin Random House Children's, uh, released a statement saying this, We've listened to the debate over the past week, which has reaffirmed the extraordinary power of, of Dahl's books and the very real questions around how stories from another era can be kept relevant for each new generation. We also recognize the importance of keeping Dahl's classics texts in print. By making both Puffin and Penguin versions available, we are offering readers the choice to decide how they experience Dahl's magical, marvelous stories. Okay, so some of the changes implemented by uh, the publisher included things like in the twits, um, have you ever seen a woman with an uglier face than that become, have you ever seen anyone with an uglier face than that? Uh, Oh, do shut up, you old hag, became, oh, do shut up, you old cow. (laughs) In of course, in in the in in uh, I mean there was there was a number of different ones. You can go back last week. We covered a lot of these. Charlie the Chocolate Factory. There was there was some stuff that was taken out of that. Of course, that had to do with weapons, right? Or toy guns, actually. Uh, Matilda, of course, the witches. I mean, there was a lot of different ones. Uh, the 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 uh, the BFG. Uh, the word black was was substituted. Um, it was was taken out. Uh, and, and the word dark was, was, uh, added in its place, but you know, it, it just continues on and on. And now we know who's pushing this kind of thing. And it was no surprise, right? So lastly today we pull, um, a, a story from that's just weird file. <laughs> this, this one is just weird. <laughs> okay. A man caught with an 800 year old mummy. Uh, he calls his girlfriend not only got arrested, but also surprised when it turned out that the corpse is of male gender. <laughs> Julio Cesar Brimho, a 26 year old man who uh, Peruvian police said had possession of the mummy in a food delivery bag. I've seen pictures of it, called it his spiritual girl- girlfriend whose name was Juanita. <laughs> he, he claims the mummy, which, which is believed to be between 600 and 800 years old, has been in his possession, possession since his father gave it to him and has been in his family for at least 30 years. Wow. He failed to clarify how his father came into possession of the corpse, but, but he said it, it, it sleeps in my bedroom with me. And he told a news outlet that uh, there's there's my bed, the TV set is is next to it, and there's Juanita. <laughs> I take care of it. It's like if you pardon the expression, as if it were my spiritual girl, girlfriend. He says, you know, according to officials, Juanita is actually a he, and the mummy is believed to have been an approximately forty five year old male who stood about four feet eleven inches tall and died sometime between 600 and 800 years ago. It's not Juanita, it's Juan, an expert said of the Peruvian Cultural Ministry. Um, yeah, this gentleman, Brimo, uh, uh, brought the mummy uh, to to have drinks. Now, how this all got started was that he brought this mummy to have drinks with two friends at uh, a a deserted park in 
and Puno, Peru, in a in a city in the, in the east eastern part of the country on the the shore of um, of Lake uh, Titicaca. Um, and, and he he said that uh, reported that they he reported that he brought Juanita to show off it to his uh, to his friends. So he was he was he'd had this in his bedroom for a while, obviously. And he, and everything was fine. He was his girlfriend. It stayed there with him, you know, next to his bed or whatever. Uh, but he he didn't get in trouble until he brought Juanita to show off to his friends. So police were alerted to the scene and discovered the mummy in the fetal position inside a red food delivery bag. So, I mean, how else are you going to, you know, bring your girlfriend mummy to see friends, right? <laughs> so <laughs> he, he found this food delivery bag and he stuffed him or her, I guess, you know, I guess it's a him in it. Um, I guess the fetal position is something that uh, is is normal uh, for that time period and that type of thing. But the Ministry of Culture is now in custody of the mummy and labeling it as a cultural asset, <laughs> yeah, promising to protect and preserve the heritage. So this gentleman was also taken into custody over the weekend. And authorities were investigating potential crimes committed against the cultural heritage of Peru. So, so anyway, it sounds like they've broken up <laughs> or, or at least they might have a long distance relationship. One of the two, but anyway, you, I, I love bringing you FOMO Friday reports. Uh, I, you know, the, the things that we are able to cover here, uh, it, it just gives us a little bit of insight into the things, uh, of our society and, and, and done so hopefully with a little bit of, uh, of a smile at the same time. And, and you may agree with that. You may absolutely not agree with that. And you, you hate the reports altogether. I would definitely love to hear your comments on it. And of course you can always do that at uncommonsensepodcast.com. Thank you very much for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.